0: And we talked in this covenant relationship that it's not about our works, but that it's by God's grace, right? And, 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 and really, the marriage relationship is all about reflecting the kind of love that Jesus has for his bride, the church. And that it's supposed to be this reflection to the world around us about what God's love kind of looks like and what it means to die to self. We've been talking about that over these last three weeks. And so when you approach the marriage relationship, not as a contract that the world kind of says that it is, it's just a piece of paper, you know, there are loopholes if you're looking for a way out. But if you're like... Like God's way in this is that I'm in this. I'm I'm not leaving you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, which is what you say, right? In that marriage covenant and those vows that you make, you know, forsaking all others till death do us part. It's the same kind of commitment that God makes to you through his grace in your relationship. When you make that kind of covenant relationship commitment, here's something for certain that is going to have to happen you're going to have to learn how to work through conflict. You're going to have to learn how to do that. A lot of people, they never learn how to work through conflict. And so oftentimes, instead of working through and walking through conflict, they walk out on the marriage. So what happens in our world? Well, we know this without just bogging down in the statistics, more than 50% of the population that gets married will end up in a divorce. And that also translates into the church that there's not a lot of differences there. And I know some of you, some of the deepest wounds you've experienced in your life have come through the marriage relationship or a failed marriage. And again, as we say every single week, this isn't to beat you up in your past or whatever, but we always want to learn from from our failures, from our mistakes. None of us have it all together. We're all broken, right? And so maybe just going forward, there are great things that God wants to teach you through this. So if you don't learn how to work through conflict and work through it in a, in a good kind of way, in a healthy kind of way, as I said, you're going to end up either divorced, which is what we see so hap- often, uh, often happening in our world around us, or for the 50% who remain married, you're going to be miserable. It's going to be a miserable existence, and, and, we, and then you're going to end up being a soured individual. And we see Christians all the time that are sour because they're soured in their marriage relationship. Because when your marriage is off, let's face it, everything is off at that point. I mean, it's hard to be filled with joy whenever you, you can't get along with your spouse, right? It's hard. It's so difficult to do that. And so you're either not going to make it or, two, you're going to be married, but you're going to be miserable and maybe, you know, uh, just completely miserable. And you're certainly not going to be reflecting Christ And what he looks like if you're walking around all the time sour and you're all the time miserable and you don't have any joy or peace in your life. So we've got a purpose in our hearts that if we don't want to end up like so many of the marriages that are all around us and and they're so prevalent in our world and culture today, then we have to decide right now that we're going to do things differently. We're going to live by, remember, our commitments, not by our feelings, but we're also going to learn in a different way about how to work through conflict, that it's not about winning. It's about resolution and reconciliation, right? We've got a purpose to do things God's way. So so we asked you in week one, whether you've been married, and we have one couple in our church, uh, uh, Jerry and Liz Maxwell, they've been married 59 years. It's incredible. We asked... Everybody, whether you've been married 59 years or whether you've been married for a few days, we said, we want you to recommit in your marriage. We want to challenge you to make a recommitment to your spouse. You make that recommitment to them. So you've recommitted. Now what? What? How do you begin to work through some of these things? We're praying that God will help you through that today. God's going to take us through uh, Fight Club today. We're going to go to Fight Club for couples today. First rule of Fight Club for couples is you don't ever talk about Fight Club. All right, no, I'm kidding. All right, for movie buffs out there. Some of you are like, what? Uh, No, that's the exact opposite. We've got to talk about it. We need to talk about how do you do this, right? How do you work through and process... Uh, And and by the way, this will work not only for those of you who are married, but it's also those of you who are singles, and and we affirm you here today as well. Unless you decide you're never going to have any more contact with any other human being, this is for you, okay? Because we all are going to have conflict at one time or another with another person. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask God to show us from his word how we can begin putting this into practice in our relationships. So will you pray with me right now? Father, we just pause right now and we humbly ask you to begin to teach us from your word. Teach us, Lord, how to treat each other in our relationships. Would you show us, Lord, the value of the matrimony that we've entered into and the holiness, Lord, that you desire to be reflected out of that to the world around us. Lord, if we are fighting all of the time and and not ever getting resolution or or, Lord, we don't know how to treat each other, and, and, Lord, there's brokenness in our marriages. We know that, Lord, not only are we failing as individuals, but, Lord, we're failing in the sense of the fact that we are called by you to reflect Christ to the world. So, Lord, would you would you show us that our marriages are even so much more than just about us as individuals or even just about us as a couple? Lord, the world needs to see what a holy marriage can look like, and we confess to you, God, we cannot do it without your help. So would you teach us about dying to self more, the way that Jesus has died to self and demonstrated that for us in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, the Bible gives us great guidelines for how to deal with conflict whenever it arises within your relationships, okay? And, uh, you know, those emotional skirmishes that we all go through from time to time, you know, um, we're we're human. And so we're going to we're going to get angry about things as we learned about in our Age of Rage series back in the spring. Right. Those are and what we're talking about are these things that can keep escalating. That if you don't know how to resolve these things or work through these things, they kind of build on top of each other. Right. And then you have a huge blowout. Because you've just you've not learned how to ever deal with the issue, all right. So so uh, these couples who just did the the oldly wed game, they need another big hand, right, for subjecting themselves to that abuse from Randy. Um, These are some of the most incredible couples that that we know. We had incredible couples in the in the first uh, service that just again a lot of experience in marriage but but they would tell you and we know this as well that they're not perfect couples they they struggle in their relationship just like anybody does hope and i struggle in our relationship right and and here's the thing is that they all have conflict at one point or another we have conflict at certain times right john may have more conflict later coming okay just saying but (laughs) But we were even trying to provoke them in front of you because that's the kind of awesome pastors that we are, right? I mean, we were, the point is this, write this down, is that conflict is inevitable in marriage. It is inevitable because remember this, you are bringing two flawed, and we said this, I think either last week or the week before, we said you're bringing two flawed individuals with a lot of different baggage who also, and let's just call it what it is, are sinners. We're all sinners. We're all broken. We have different ways of thinking about things. You're bringing them together, merging them together in a relationship like in that three-legged race that we talked about, and at some point, you're gonna have to learn to get in a rhythm together. If you're always fighting and you're always not going in the same direction, it's gonna be a lot of trouble. So conflict is inevitable. We all have conflict in our relationships. Some of you may have had some conflict this week. Don't lie in church, okay? How many of you, be honest, be honest with me. How many of you had a fight with your spouse this week? Raise your hands, raise them up high. All right, some of you, one, one lady is holding her husband's hand up, okay? All right, you had a fight this week. Now, be honest with you, some of you, how many of you had a fight on the way to church? Does that ever happen? Did anybody fight on the way to church? Anybody? Anybody? What did y'all fight about? No, I'm kidding, all right? And uh, uh, some of you may be fighting right now, right? You may be like, I'm in a fight right now, and you know, and you're like, you better listen up, and you're throwing elbows already. Conflict happens. It happens to all of us. Uh, It happens to pastors. Just want you to know, you know, sometimes our spouse can say something or do something that just sends us into orbit, whereas another person would do that, and it doesn't. We just kind of maybe let it go, or we just don't really, are not quite as offended. But we all go through it, and Hope and I, we have had some doozies in our 24 years of marriage. We've had some, some conflict, and, and I was thinking about some of those this week, and some of the things that have happened in our conflict, and it was really funny because I couldn't always remember what we fought about. But I could remember, and she did too remember this, how we fought often ended up being the issue. Sometimes it wasn't about a big issue, maybe like a cup of soup, right? And then it ends up becoming a fight because of how you fight. Hope and I had a fight on our second day of our honeymoon. Now that can make for a not very good honeymoon. I'm just saying, okay? Not that it wasn't great, okay? But... We also had a lot of conflict early on in our marriage too, because again, two different people that are coming together, you're not knowing how to, and I had never, I'm not saying she had never really been mad, but I'd never really seen her as mad as I made her on this one occasion. We'd probably been married for three months or so. She got extremely angry about me. Now, I'm just going to say this, that for her to get as angry as she did at me, you have to be a jerk, not her, me, okay, all right? And I got her so angry at me that we were 21 at the time that the next thing I know, she has hurled a shoe at me like a Nolan Ryan fastball. (laughs) I'm having to go matrix, and it's like going by me or whatever. I, I was like, where did that come from? She, I mean, Again, you have to be a jerk to get that sweet woman as angry as I got her at that time. And this week, I was like, what, what were we even fighting about? What made you so mad? I couldn't even remember it. She said, I'll tell you what made me so mad. You started laughing at how mad I was. I couldn't help it. I had never seen her that angry. I don't know if I thought it was cute or what. Now I fear that face when I see it, okay? (laughs) But the shoe, and I thought to myself, we are, I'm going to have to learn how to fight fair with this woman or get quicker and work on my cat reflexes reflex because I don't think I can keep this up, okay? And uh, by the way, she is a teacher at Eagle Mountain Elementary now, and I just want to say if any of your students are in here, this was not Mrs. Howell's fault. This was Pastor Bart's fault. Bad, <laughs> bad Pastor Bart, okay? Take that away with you. And so, but, uh, but let me say, she also laughed at me one time, she, and, and I, I had it coming. By the way, do you guys think I had the shoe coming at me? Do anybody think that? Yeah? Okay, all right figured you would say that. But she also laughed at me one time. Just a quick story about that. Um, Early on in our ministry, we were called into ministry. I started feeling like I got a call from one of my, my roommates who was planting churches in North Africa uh, among Muslim people up there, and he called me. He said, I need church planners, We're church planners, Called me, said, will you come and do this? And I felt like God was calling us to go do this. And I was fired up, excited about this. So we started going through this process. Let me just say that I was fired up and excited about this. Hope wasn't quite feeling it. Shall we say that? Okay. But I was like, man, this is cutting edge. I can't believe I'm going to get to do this. And I was, I mean, I was dreaming about what we were going to be doing, living on the edge, you know, cutting edge ministry. And uh, so I, although I wasn't really listening to her about this and just kind of telling her that this is what it looked like we were going to be doing, uh, by the way, she was pregnant at the time as well. Okay. And we go to interview with uh, what's called the International Mission Board. We go to meet with one of the guys that's interviewing. They start taking us through the process and I'm giving my answers. I'm building our case for why we should. And then they talk to her and they ask her what she thinks and she tells them exactly what she thinks. Which is, I'm not quite feeling it the way he is. Oh my word, I was so angry with her. I was so mad at her at that point, right? Okay, and, and so we were automatically disqualified because they're not going to send a couple to do that. If you're not on the same page, I'm glad they do that. I, when we left, I was furious with her. We got in the car, you know, and the silence at that point was deafening. I was just uh, fuming. She's ruining our lives. She's missing the call of God. I can't believe this. And so I just said at one point, I said, I'm going to say something to you right now. I want you to understand this. You know what? I'm going. I'm going and I am planting churches with or without you in North Africa. And I'm driving and going, cutting through. I'm going to do this. And she said, is that a fact? You are going, huh? Well, then guess what? You're going by yourself. You're going by yourself. And I said, fine, then I'm gone, you know, and we're just having this great little argument. Well, at that point that I said, I'm gone, I'm going to leave you to go plant churches. She started laughing at me at that point because of what I was saying and how ridiculous it was. And she said, oh, so you're going to be the holy church planner that leaves his pregnant wife to go start <laughs> churches in Africa. Well, that's real nice, Pastor Bart. I hate that card whenever it's ever been played, right? And she's laughing at this point, and rightfully so, and she's laughing, and I have to say what I said was so stupid, Uh, and she was like, oh, that's what the IMB is looking for. They're looking for guys that leave their pregnant wives, you know, and all this, to holy man, or whatever, and she's laughing, and I... (laughs) I had to start laughing at myself with her, but I was still mad. But it was funny because it was so stupid what I was saying. She won that argument. And 17 years later here at EVC, here we are. Praise God. Thank you for that. We all fight. Thank you, Hope, for listening to God. <laughs> we all fight. And I don't care who you are. We all go through things. And, uh, you know, it's just we go through stuff. Um, So we need to accept that that's going to happen. Now, couples that last are going to have to learn to do this. Write these things down. You're going to have to learn to fight fair, and we're going to talk about that. Secondly, you have to learn to fight for resolution. Many of us, what do we try to fight for when we get into our conflict, our arguments? We fight to do what? Win. Especially us competitive ones, right? It kicks in. The pride kicks in, and it's like, oh, it's on now. I'm going to win this, right? And, and unhealthy couples fight for victory. They fight for victory. They, 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 they don't fight for resolution. And, and it's like, I'm right. And I'm going to show you why I'm right. And, and I, I know this because I've done this and I've had to ask my wife to forgive me for this. I can very much in the midst of a conflict start. I flip the switch and I go into this mode where I don't see her as my spouse that God has blessed me with. And I can very easily begin to see her as my opponent, that I am going to defeat, you know, and you want to win at all costs. And and again, it's funny because I started thinking as we were thinking about our fights, some of the fights, we don't even remember what they were about. What we remember is how we fought and how those things got out of control in the fights. And then you don't even sometimes in the middle of the fight, what were we even fighting about? You end up fighting more about the way you do it, right? Well, we want to, we want to talk about what God says a, a better way to do that is. Okay, healthy couples also, ones that last, fight for their marriage. They, have, they, they, they fight for their marriage. It's not about who's right. It's, it's Remember this, it's about, it's about sometimes we just are about self-preservation and we kick into that gear. But these are the ones that will take the same amount of energy that you will put into trying to win your argument, you'll put that same amount of energy in trying to fight for your marriage. Because as we said in week one, you've got everything coming against you. Everything's trying to defeat you. The world, the culture, we've got to learn to resist all that. God's word's going to help us. In James chapter 1, in the book of James, he is writing to a group of Christians that are going through a very difficult time. They're being persecuted. They're having, remember we said in week 1 that all these, the, the world around us, the storms around us are raging. And what can that often do in a marriage relationship? It amplifies, and oftentimes it amplifies the conflict because you're under duress and you're stressed. Some of you are in financial problems. Some of you have health problems. And, and if you don't learn how to manage those things, then it can amplify the conflict within the relationship. Well, these believers had been told because, because Jesus said he was coming back for them, right? He said, I'm coming back for you. And, and they were having, while they were waiting, some of them were discouraged while they were waiting on his return, And and James, the the half-brother of Jesus, is going to say, hey, he said he's coming back. He is coming back for us. We don't know when he's coming back. But here is the thing. While we're waiting on his return, we are supposed to be reflecting Jesus to the rest of the world. And while we're, we're doing that, that means we've got to learn to actually put our faith into practice. We've got to actually learn how to get along with each other because the way you get along with each other does matter. Do you remember what Jesus said? He says, "He said, the way that you love each other shows the world you are my disciples. We ask the question, so does the world know that you're a follower of Jesus by the way that you are in your marriage or in your other relationships? And so, so they believed Jesus that he was coming back, and James is saying, look, it matters how you treat each other. It matters what your relationship looks like. It matters, and, and he doesn't speak specifically about the marriage context, but you can apply this to the marriage context, okay? James chapter 1, this will apply to any, any relationship that you're in. James chapter 1, verse 19, let's start there. Here's what he's going to say. He says, understand this. He's saying, listen closely to this. Pay attention to this. He's saying, if you don't catch anything else, catch this. My brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians, right? He's saying, pay attention to this while you're waiting on Jesus, while you're putting your faith into practice. He says this, you must, what's the next word? All, everyone, everyone, all of us, married and singles alike, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Those are three great points from God's inspired word on how to fight fair and how to fight wisely in a relationship, working through conflict. He says, be slow to get angry. And then he's going to say in verse 20, he says, human anger, not a godly anger. Remember, we learned in our Age of Rage series that, that anger is not wrong in and of itself. But whenever it's out of control and it's, it's not managed well, and then, then that often it leads to sin in our life. And this is what he's going to say. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. God wants us to live righteously as we represent him. But if you're ticked off all the time and you're angry all the time and you're fighting all the time and maybe your neighbors see that because of, that, you know, maybe you're loud, I don't know. But if that's happening all the time, he says, it doesn't produce the righteousness that I want in your life. By the way, the righteousness is a benefit to you too because you're going to be peaceful. You're going to have joy. You're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. But if you don't have that, it's, it's, you know if, if you're fighting all the time, that's going to be absent in your life, and it's, it's, going to, it's going to affect your testimony. So here's what he says to do. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts. What you're saying there is, God, I'm humbly coming before you, and we've been doing things maybe the world's way. We don't want to do it like that anymore. God, we want to we start doing things your way. Your way is better than mine. Our way doesn't work. For it has the power, that is God's way, God's word in your heart has the power to save your souls. This original word, it does mean soul, okay? It's the word suke there. It means soul. But it also, it talks about the whole person. So you could even think of it this way, that if you'll plant God's word and start doing God's word, it will not only save your soul, okay, we're saved by God's grace, but he's saying this, this could save your relationship. This could save your life is what it literally means, saves your life. What if you said it this way? This could save my marriage if I'll actually do this, if I'll put it into practice, right? Okay, now look at what he says. Don't just hear this, he says. These are great principles that he's given to enhance our lives and to point people to Jesus and how we treat each other. Don't just listen to God's word. People do that every week when they come to this event where we have church together, right? And we are the church. And they come in and they just hear it. Don't just listen to God's word. No, he says this. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. Otherwise, you're really kind of wasting your time. He's saying you're not going to experience all these benefits if you don't begin doing what God says to do. So what did he just tell us to do, right? Well, he gives us some godly rules for fighting fair. Write these things down. Number one, he tells us this, that if we're going to fight fair, if we're going to process through conflict properly, that we must stop and listen first intently. We got to just stop what we're doing. We need to really focus in and try to understand and listen what it is that this other person is saying. Now, notice he says, if you go back to the passage of scripture, he says, all of you, every one of you, married, singles, whoever, all of us who are Christ followers, you're going to get in conflict with other people. He says, stop and be quick. Notice he says quick to listen. Why do you think he has to say be quick to listen? What are most of us like? We are quick to say what we think. We're quick to air our own opinion. We're quick to to get whatever we want to say off of our chest to that person. You know, we're quick to want to set somebody straight and win. He says, no. He says, flip it around. He says, shut your mouth. Be quiet. We're quick to want to make our point, to want to win, right? Remember, this is all about dying to self. To be quick to listen, you have to die to self. You have to purpose to shut your mouth, to die to self, to listen, right? He's saying when things are heating up, stop everything, slow things down. If you don't do this, one, and you're just always going to air the way you feel immediately without understanding that person, I want to go back to what I said a minute ago. You're either going to end up divorced or you are going to be very miserable or one of you is going to be very, very miserable. And you're just going to be the other one that's in denial that doesn't realize how miserable your spouse is because you won't listen. You don't hear anything that she says or that he says, right? Have you ever been in a conflict or in an argument with someone and they're moving their mouth and they're saying something and you're not hearing a word of what they're saying? You're hearing the words, but you're not processing it, right? It's almost like the Charlie Brown teacher that's talking, the wah, 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 wah. And that's all you're hearing. Most of us, if we're honest, what are we doing at that very moment? Why are we not hearing? What are we doing? We are getting ready to err and refute and make our point, and we're so busy you know how I know this? Because I am horrible at this. And God's really had to rebuke me in this with my wife because I do this all the time. I'm not hearing what she's saying because I am, I am getting ready to make my point. And here's the deal. You can make your point, but oftentimes we're so busy making, getting ready to make our point, the point we're about to make might not even fit what they're saying because we're not listening to what they're really saying. And then we make a point, and then that person's like, you're not hearing what I'm saying. And then the conflict escalates because you haven't heard, right? And so he's saying, he's saying, don't make that rebuttal yet. You've got to slow down. In fact, look at what Proverbs says about this. Proverbs talks about this. Uh, chapter 18, verse 2, Solomon writes this. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to, everybody read it with me. What does it say? Air their own opinions. I just want to set that person straight. He says, you're a fool then. And I mean, I, that's, that's, that has convicted me deeply, okay? I'm not proud about this, but I, I can be an arguer deluxe, okay? Hope knows this. She says that sometimes whenever we've gotten into conflict, and when she says this, I recognize it now. She'll say, you're, you've moved into lawyer mode is what she says. She said, you, you turn into a lawyer. And then it, it, it's not me listening to what she's saying. Do you know what it turns into? It's into me prosecuting my case against her now. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of your spouses are going, oh my gosh, he or she does that too, okay? And I've turned into this attorney where I'm prosecuting my case or I'm defending myself, right? I'm not really hearing at that point. It's funny, my memory is not that great right? I can't sometimes remember why I walk into a room and what I was going in there for. Does anybody else struggle with that? Okay. Um, But I'm going to tell you what, when we get into a conflict, I have a great memory and I can get to the place where I am parsing words that are coming out of her mouth. Well, really what this word means and she's like, and, and you know what happens? She shuts down and then we don't resolve the conflict And it turns into one of these, do you know what these are? Loops that are unresolved. And it carries into another conflict later. We never resolved it. I mean, that's been something that we have had to, I'm saying me, I've had to ask God to help me with this because I've had such a problem with this. So here's what we want to do. Okay, write this down. This is a good thing to write down. We, what James is saying is we must seek to understand before being understood. It's not that, what you 're going to say is it is important, but seek to understand first, seek to understand really, okay all right Let me give you some things that Christian counselors that I was reading up on this week that i 've i 've tried some of these in in my own marriage, and it was funny because I, I I told hope that I was going to be talking about this this week. She had a funny look on her face, I wanted to throw a shoe, uh, but i didn 't and um But here's the deal. How to listen in conflict. These are some great. Some of these might work for you. Some of these might not. But but I'd say a lot of them probably could help. Okay, stop what you're doing and give them your undivided attention. So you stop. You listen. You're showing that you're validating them as a person. I'm listening. I care. I really do care about what it is that you are going to try to say to me. Here's a big one right here. Resist, especially if you're kind of ADD like me. Resist distractions or any other activity that might take you out of the moment. I just want to say this. Put the cell phone away. I mean, when it, don't you hate it whenever you're trying to talk to somebody and and, and they're not really they're, or they're looking over here? You're making eye contact. You're giving them yourself at that moment. That's that's a great thing you're doing. Is you're giving them yourself. Uh, DVR is a great gift of God to marriages. I'm just saying, okay even when the rangers are playing pause put it, or turn it off whatever record give them your attention you're validating them as a person here's another thing concentrate not just on the content lawyers okay of what they're saying concentrate on the heart and the feelings and the emotion that they are expressing at that time because a lot of times there's there's feelings in there that if we could pick up on that and not just the words only and we begin to, to discern that, it could even change the whole direction of the conversation when you realize, you know what, my, my, my partner's really hurt. She's hurting in this way, Is her, and, and, and she's maybe manifesting it through anger towards me, or he's manifesting it in that way. All right, Here's another thing, watch for nonverbal cues and body language, that's a big deal, we know a lot of our lang- our communication comes through. Uh, not what we say, but the way we are. Uh, so kind of watch the way that you are in that. Use encouraging and reassuring gestures. Be very careful with your gestures, okay? Just want to say that. You're watching your body language as well. If you're like this and you're, you know, that stuff translates into the relationship. So you've got to work on this and just say, you know, I, I really want to listen to you. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to understand before I comment here. Resist. This is big. This is hard. We need God to help us. Resist thinking about your reply and rebuttal while they are speaking. This is a discipline right here. You, you, but, and, and it goes along with the next thing. Let him or her finish talking before you respond. I read this this week, and I don't want to say that Hope and I have done this because we haven't. But it's something that I think is a good, and this was a, a marriage counselor that said, uh, no, it was a couple that I heard that they talked about how they were working through some of their conflict. And, and what they do is they, they uh, a marriage counselor told them this, that when one of you gets bothered about something and angry about something, that that is a time to, to, to claim anger rights is what they called it, okay? And claiming anger rights means this, I'm, I'm upset about something and I want to say this to you right now. And so what that means when they claim that, that means the other person has to be quiet and let them finish, Let them finish what it is and then reply. But what do many of us do? We interject that. We got to say that. No, let me cut you off on that. And you never get to the heart of maybe what it is that they're wanting to say. So, again, these are just suggestions. These are suggestions. When they're they're finished, when they're finished, repeat back to them what you think you've heard. And not only just let me say these words and mimic them, the feeling. Let me understand. You're feeling this way? This is what you're feeling? A lot of times, they'll be like, no, you're still not getting it. Let me try to explain it better. Okay, so again, suggestions. Don't view them as your opponent, but as your partner. When you stop to listen, you're validating them as a human. You're validating that their feelings matter to you. This, again, is what it means to die to self, because our flesh does not want to do this. Flesh wants to win. Flesh wants to preserve its position and defend its position. This is all about dying to self so so here here's the thing. James is saying here he's not saying you can't have a viewpoint. James is not saying that you have to agree. What James is saying is that you're wise if you will seek to understand before. You try to be understood yourself. That's all about dying to self. Okay, so here's the second thing. We're supposed to be what? Quick to listen. And then what does he instruct us to do? To be slow to speak. So here's the next thing. We are to use our words very cautiously. Our words have such power. So we want to guard. As a believer, we should do this. And we especially should do this with our spouse and with our children. We want to guard our words. We want to use our words with caution. He says, be slow to speak. Many of us, we're quick to air what we think and we want to say that. And then and then, sometimes the most damage of the fight that we're having is about the way we said something. And it's not even about the content of the argument anymore. And he's saying, slow down there, slow down. Your words have power. Some of us, have killed or are killing our marriage because of a word that you said to your spouse. Some of you are, are killing that relationship now because of the way that you speak to your spouse. It kills intimacy. It kills. It's a horrible thing when we are out of control in our language. It does destruction. If you keep reading James and you get into chapter 3, he's going to talk about it being a fire out of control wrecking everything, wreaking havoc, okay? Proverbs says this, chapter 21, verse 23. He writes, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble, right? That's wise. James and Solomon are both saying, watch your mouth, use your words cautiously, think before you say what you want to say, deliberately think through. There's nothing wrong with saying, I don't need to say anything right now. I'm still very angry. I, I need to think through what I say because I don't want to mess things up more. So just give me some time to work through this. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says this. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding, that's what we want to have, is understanding is even-tempered. Some of us are ill-tempered and hot-tempered. Well, he says that's foolish. Even fools, though, are thought wise when they keep silent. Even fools with their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. I know a few politicians that could use that verse. What do you think? So how do I know if I'm guarding my words? Here's two questions to ask. One, should this be said? Before you say anything, think, do I need to say this? Sometimes, yes, you do need to say what you need to say. Second question, should I say it now? Timing often is everything. So do I, I might need to say this, but maybe I need to wait for a better time. Maybe I need to wait and kind of judge the... the, the the day that that person's having, or you know, I maybe I just need to hold off. The be, don't say it when they're rushing out the door, or you know, you don't want to you don't want to say that. Timing is everything, and I just want to throw this in too. Don't don't have conflict through texting, email, social media. Refuse to do it. Because some of the worst misunderstandings that I've had to help people within our own congregation navigate through and some of the mistakes that I've made have also come through fighting with someone through email or through, you know, and you just, it doesn't work. It's, it's interesting how different it works whenever you actually get people together face to face and they're looking at each other. Sometimes, again, it's more about what's said and is taken in a wrong way. Don't do it through texting, social media, or any of that. Say, no, we need to talk. We need to look each other in the eye and, and be sure that we're understanding one another because otherwise you have, you have uh, a lot of misunderstandings. Here's some practical things uh, in using your words cautiously, and fighting fair. Never call names. You're such a lousy father. I can't believe that you, you, are, you are just like your mother and you mean that as a barb, right? You're a you're a nag or other words that you might use. Never call names. It's not it's not helping anything. You're a bum, you know whatever or you know and I I'm, I'm being G-rated right now, okay? And James says, "Stop it." Stop that. Paul says, "Stop that stuff." I'll show you what Paul says. Ephesians 4:29. Don't use foul or what does the next thing say? Read it with me out loud abusive language. Abusive language. The reality is that some of us are verbally abusive. And we are wounding people all around us. And Paul says, you are a Christian now. You have Jesus Christ that lives within you. He dwells within you, right? You represent Jesus. And Paul says, stop. Do you know that is written in the imperative mode? It is a command. He says, stop it. Stop the abusive language. Let everything you say be good. It doesn't mean you can't, that you don't have conflict, but he's saying it's productive, it's good, it's helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them because you can be in conflict and when you actually productively work through it, it increases intimacy with that person because you work through it. Somebody died to self, right? Paul says, stop being verbally abusive. Stop being verbally abusive to your spouse. Stop being verbally abusive to your kids. You're wounding them and scarring them. Paul's saying, the way you talk is because of what's going on in your heart. Jesus tells us that too. I want you to think deeply about this. I thought about this this week. And this is a big deal. Jesus would never be verbally abusive to his bride, the church. Let that sink in. And, and men and women alike, we are the bride of Jesus, right? You're the bride of Christ. He does not verbally abuse you, does he? No, he is slow to anger. He is kind. He is quick to listen Right, He would not speak that way. And I started thinking about this. And we'll look at this next week where he says, Paul says, love your wives, husbands, the way that Christ loved the church and died for her, gave himself up for her, died to self. I started thinking, you know what? That translates in the way that I talk to her, too. It's, it's not just, you know, I did something nice for her. It, it, Jesus would never verbally abuse me. And who am I? to ever talk down in that kind of way. Here's another thing, okay? Moving along, just something to think about. Watch your tone and vocal level. I struggle with this one too. I, I can start getting loud, and, and, and sometimes I don't even realize I'm getting loud. And then she'll say, you're, you're getting loud. And I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, or whatever. Do You ever do that? okay. But watch your tone, too. It's not just vocal level. It's like you, when you get kids together and they fought, and one of them, you, you tell them to apologize, and one of them goes, sorry, right? That's a tone, right? There's tone there. You got to watch tone, watch vocal level, be certain about this. Never, here's a big one, never get historical. Never get historical. Not hysterical, although you don't want to go there either. But don't get historical, you know, where you, where you bring that trump card in all the time, Back in 1989, I remember this. When you did that or in that relationship or whatever, right? Don't get historical, right? That's often what we do is we bring it back in. Don't use the phrases, you never or you always. Don't use those. Nobody is that consistent, just saying, okay? Never threaten divorce. Divorce. For some of us, maybe that's what you go to, right? That's the trump card. Well, I'm just going to start talking to the lawyer. You have at that very moment just broke down any possibility of positively solving the problem. You have you have trumped it with that. And here's the last one, okay? You ready for this one? This one's very big. If you don't catch this one, catch this one for sure. Never, ever, ever quote your pastor, okay? Never. Don't you bring me into that mess. I'm just saying, all right? I don't want to get into your fight, and trust me, it happens. Pastor Bart said this, right? Don't bring me into that mess, okay? All right, so we're we're quick to listen, slow to speak, and next, thirdly, and lastly, we are to manage our anger, slow to anger. Now, I want you to think about all these things. These are the, these, this is the way that Jesus is with us. And we're called to reflect him to the world. And he says, be slow to anger, manage that. And I won't spend a lot of time here because we spent a whole series on this. But he says when it's out of control, it's just destroying everything, right? James says, no, manage your anger. Be slow to anger, just as the scripture describes God is slow to anger. He's slow to anger with us. He's patient with us. This is dying to self, right? Because when we don't, what does it do? He tells us in verse 20 again, Human anger, an unrighteous one, not a godly anger, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It's out of control. And it's, and it's turning people away from Christ. It's, it's what it, I, this is a question I want you to consider. I, I asked it, I think, in the first week. Is what is The way that you treat each other, your marriage, what kind of picture of Christ is it showing? Here's a big question if you have kids. Is it showing your kids? The way that you love each other, right? The way that husbands you love. Are you showing your children what Jesus looks like? Wives, are you showing your children what Jesus looks like by the way that you are in your relationship? Some of us, again, we're wrecking our marriages. We're wounding our kids because of an out-of-control anger. Paul says in another place, "Uh, don't let the sun go down in your anger. What he's saying there is resolve things in a timely manner. Try to work through your conflict at that, at that moment if you can, and you can be under control. What he's really saying is, don't keep these loops going. You've got to learn to close the loop on that issue. You've got to learn to close the loop, not continuing and resol- and never resolving it, right? The righteousness that God desires is for people to see Jesus even in the way that we handle conflict. That's what he's called us to, Right? What is, the, what, what is it communicating to our kids by the way that we do this? The bottom line is that when we have conflict, we are to deal with that person or with our spouse if you're married in the same manner that we know that Jesus deals with us, All right? So as we're wrapping this up, listen to this right here, okay? Listen to this. How is Jesus with us? He is attentive and listens to us, doesn't he? He's attentive. He listens. You can pray to him at any time, right? He's slow to anger, slow to anger. He's not abusive in his words. He's gracious. Sometimes we just need to be gracious, right? He will confront us when we need it, won't he? He doesn't. He doesn't just let things go. He will confront us, but he will do it in a a manner through the Holy Spirit that he points it out. Why? Because he loves us and he loves the relationship we're in with him. So he will point those things out. He sees the best in us, he doesn't dwell upon our past right? Think about how Christ is with us. He's not just about beating us down and winning. And I thought about this this week, and he could win every time, right? No, what did Jesus do? Jesus died to self, and he said, you are called to follow me in the same manner in which I have loved you. You are to love each other. And in doing so, the world will know you are my disciples, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. How do you need to work on your fighting skills today? Is there something that God maybe spoke to you about? Maybe it's your listening. Maybe you, you struggle, like I have struggled with, you're not a good listener. And you're more about airing your own opinion, and God's speaking to you about that today. He's gracious with us. Praise God for that. Do you need to seek forgiveness of your spouse for maybe hurting them with your words? Sometimes you can't even remember what you fight about. It just turns into an ugly, ugly, verbally abusive kind of bout with each other. Are you a rager when you fight with your loved ones, leaving a trail of destruction behind you? Can I just say this? God wants to change your life today. Because he loves you and he loves your spouse and he loves your kids. So here's what we're inviting you to do. Mainly, it's what he's inviting you to do. Would you come to him today and just say, Father, I need help. I need help. I can't do this on my own. My instincts are not good enough. Some of you, you might need to take a step by by getting help, maybe through counseling. If you need help there, listen, we are your church. We love you. We are your pastors. We love you. We want to help you. We don't want to judge you. We want to help you. If you need help in this, contact your pastors. We've all been through struggles. We're here for you. Father God, today, thank you, Lord, for showing us, Lord, that it's okay to have conflict. You show us, Lord, how to do it. We want to do it in a way that is a righteous way, God, in a way that honors you. We want to, we when we have conflict, for, for our children to see what Jesus looks like, not a selfish world. Would you teach us all, Lord, more about what it means to die to self the same way that Jesus did for us? Lord, we want a church that is filled with healthy marriages. We know not perfect marriages, but ones that are healthy, Lord, ones that are a strong, just just beacon of hope within our community where there is so much hostility that people have towards one another. We want our kids, Lord, to grow up in a a functional home, Lord, not a dysfunctional one. We want our kids to see what it looks like to, to be able to have conflict, to work through it, so that when they get older, they realize that that is something that is possible. And they learn it from us. So we just submit ourselves to you today. Lord, would you bring healing to people's hearts that are hurt today? Would you bring comfort, Lord, to spouses that are hurting today? We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.